How do companies create a culture and core values that employees actually live out? The team at The Receptionist, a bootstrapped Denver-based software company, sets out to answer that very question. Welcome to The Fabric Podcast. Here's your host, Michael Ashford. In this episode, I chat with Brooke Bastain, an executive assistant who sort of fell into the role at one of her early employers. But Brooke has since thrived as an executive assistant and is now more than four years into her EA role at a Denver-based software company called Conga. As Brooke told me, the role of an executive assistant is like those choose-your-own-adventure books. One day you're planning a sales kickoff, and the next you're helping a new executive integrate into the culture of a newly acquired company. As you'll hear from Brooke, it's all part of the job. Now let's jump into the conversation. Brooke, before we get into the, I'll say the meat of our conversation, I have to go back a little bit in your background and talk about the Movember Foundation. How did you <laughs> get connected with that organization? It's become such a huge uh, I, I think cultural phenomenon over the last several years, probably the last decade, but how did you get involved in that organization? Let's start there. <laughs> uh, I was unemployed and looking for jobs. Uh, and so I found a Craigslist ad that they were looking for an, a temporary operations manager, manager for the, for North America um, and so I applied for that role um, and I got a call. The next day I went in um, for the interview and I was given some strange directions because it was at the time uh, being run out of the CEO and co-founders two bedroom apartment on the Venice boardwalk in L.A. Oh, wow. So I was uh, told to park behind the garage and if the trash can's in the way, just move it. Um <laughs> I was like, this is starting to sound a little, little iffy. A little um, sketch. I, I got to admit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the interv interview went really well. And I interviewed with the uh, CEO and co-founder. Um, and he said, you know, this is a temporary position. But if we happen to raise any money, it could turn into a full-time job. So um, I ended up being there for eight years. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot there, obviously, and I don't know if we have all the time to get through it today, but <laughs> eight years spent at, at that organization and that foundation. And, and for the listeners who don't know, can you explain what the Movember Foundation does and, and the involvement that it has in some really interesting and, and important causes? Yeah. So the Movember Foundation is a men's health organization where they get men to grow mustaches in the month of November. Um, so they start clean shaven on November 1st and, um, they shave it off on November 30th. And in those 30 hairy days and hairy nights, um, you're raising funds for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and men's mental health. And it's all over the world. When I started, they were in seven countries. Um, and I was helping run us and Canada. Um, and then we just continued to grow and grow. Wonderful stuff. And yeah, I think uh, social media is littered with horrible mustaches and beards <laughs> towards the end of November. So it's super fun to see that and, and certainly raising money for a great cause. Yeah. So you stay there eight years after coming into a temporary, what was to be a temporary ops <laughs> manager role. Brooke, walk me through then how you come to be and find yourself in the role that you're at now, which is in the executive assistant space. Uh, I, I remember from our previous conversation that we didn't record this, but you had mentioned that 
you know, it was kind of a, hey, this is this is maybe something that I fell into. Can you kind of walk me through that? Yeah. So um, we were very shoestring. You know, everyone was, you know, doing everything. His two bedroom apartment was the fulfillment house. It was our, uh, you know, communications headquarters. It was our customer support. It was everything. So after we had that successful campaign, um, he was heading to Australia for to be with his family because November started in Australia. And he said, when I get back, I don't want this in my house. <laughs> so uh, I was tasked with the role and I had a month to find a new office for us, um, which I did. Uh, and then I took over the merchandise and just started picking up more and more operation roles. But it was also working very closely with them because we were a small team of four people at the time. Our growth was wild. Mm -hmm. um, we couldn't keep up. And so he was kind of told by the board, like, hey, you need to get an executive assistant. Um, and he said, I don't really want an executive assistant unless it's Brooke. I always said that I was sort of his net. And so kind of, you know, coming up with the idea of Movember, uh, you have some crazy ideas. So I would kind of help um, net out all of his wild ideas. And um, I traveled all over the world with him and um, just kind of learned to be an executive assistant, helping him make the Movember Foundation a global sensation. <laughs> Now, I want to jump ahead a little bit to what you're doing now, and then we'll we'll tie all of this back together in, in yep. what I want to talk about, because you just mentioned the crazy growth and scale that you experienced there. You're now at a company called Conga, correct? Uh, you're based here mm -hmm. in the Denver area where, where we are. You came to Conga as an executive assistant after kind of getting your feet wet with that role at the Movember Foundation. How did you yep. know this is something that, okay, this is my career path now. This is where I want to take this. What appealed to you? Um, it didn't, I mean, it, it did and didn't. Um, okay. so I, I, the reason I left Movember is because our CEO, he had stepped down. And so I kind of stepped down with him as well. And everyone asked, what are you going to do next? And I said, I don't know. I think I'm going to move to Denver because I was living in Los Angeles at the Why time. <laughs> and, and people said, what's in Denver? I said, I don't know. I guess I'll find out. And I, I didn't really know anybody and I didn't have any leads on jobs. So I was doing some freelance work and thought, you know, maybe I'll just work for myself um, because, you know, working for a nonprofit, you learn a lot of how to run a business on a shoestring budget. So um, I was I was doing a lot of a lot of little things. And then I finally learned, like, I don't like working for myself and I miss working at an office and I, you know, miss, you know, as I kind of feel like a executive assistant is a puppeteer. And in, you know, in the background, just kind of, you know, making things run smoothly. And when I was doing it for myself, I was the face and I didn't like that. <laughs> um, so then I started looking for EA roles and I ended up at Conga um, and I was offered two executive assistant roles on the same day. One was a smaller startup um, that was more similar to Movember and kind of culturally and what I was used to. And then there was Congo, which was, you know, it was, well, we're a lot bigger now, but for me, we were, it was a bigger tech company and it's a way to get my feet wet in the uh, tech industry. At first I thought I should go with what I know. Um, but then I really clicked with the um, CRO I had interviewed with and being an executive assistant, it's all about 
the relationship you have with the person, not necessarily like, you know, what the company does, because you work so closely with that person. And so I chose to um, go to Conga. Now, tell me if I have this right. You've been there four years. You've been through mm -hmm. an acquisition. You've been through seven bosses. You're on your seventh boss, I believe is what you told me. Yeah. Is that I all correct? I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a curse. I promise. There's just <laughs> lots of change that happens in uh, tech. <laughs> so true. And, and this show is all about how companies that are growing and scaling keep their culture, uh, the, you know, tight and intact. And something you mentioned, Brooke, you said the executive assistant is kind of like the puppeteer in the background and that's what you enjoyed and you liked. And this is where I want to take our conversation here. What is it about that role that is is so um so vital to a company's culture and and certainly through all the change that you went through at the Movember Foundation and now at Conga that I just mentioned, what is it about the role that has its its effects so spread out throughout the company? So what I love about being an executive assistant is that every day is so different and I can have a to-do list when I'm driving into work, I can know like this is what I have to get done. And if I can get half done, half of those things done by the end of the day, it'd be amazing because it's like a new fire you have to put out. Like once you arrive, you know, it's something could have, you know, the executive could have had to completely shift his calendar or some big news came out with the company and it's just constantly changing. And so I just love that you know, I do love planning events and there's a lot of things I like doing, but as an executive assistant, I feel like I get to do all of those things. And in this role, you really get to see a big picture of the company and it's like a bird's eye view of what's going on because, you know, the executives are, you know, focused on what's going on in their department, but you work closely with many departments. So you're able to kind of see the bird's eye view and say, Hey, I know, you want to do this, but this is also going on here, here, and here. So like, what are our priorities today? Or this is, might be more important. Brooke, for you, that begs the question, hearing that, how do you manage to not get overwhelmed? I think you just uh, be calm, cool, and collected. Even though if I feel extremely overwhelmed, I don't make it look that way. <laughs> <laughs> do you have some sort of an outlet for that? I mean, is there, is there... I guess, how are you supported by the executives that you you work with and work for in in managing that? Is there is that a factor? Um, I have a, with my current boss, I've now been with for two years. Um, him and I have an amazing relationship and, you know, we connect on a daily basis. And um, it's I mean, it's really all about the personality that you support. And I am so fortunate in um, who I work with now and how I'm able to, um, you know, be his gate, gatekeeper and, but also be a representative of him when I'm dealing with other people in the organization. What is the, what would you say in your experience has been the hardest thing to re keep intact or especially from a culture standpoint to, to maintain when an organization is going through so much change and, and growth and overhaul What's been the hardest thing to make sure this carries through from from change to change, organization to organization? Does that question make sense? Change, yeah. So change needs to be something you embrace. 
and you need to be able to deal with the ever-shifting environment, but also evaluate your own processes and find ways to make things more efficient and effective and easier for you know everyone around you. So we were acquired uh, in May 2020, which it's kind of a wild time to be acquired. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I've dealt with change a lot, but that was probably the biggest change I've ever had to deal with. So walk me through that. What is what is your role or what was your role or even what is an executive assistant's role during a time like that? How did you approach the coordination with the executive team and the rest of the company? You know, that being that, like you said, puppeteer behind the scenes. How did you approach that situation? Well, that's a two part question, because that for the change for me was in the acquisition, my boss that I had been working for for a year um, was not staying with the company. Um, and so there was a lot of uncertainty for me in that. Um, I was not one of the executive assistants that was working on the ex acquisition. Like, I knew some things were going on, but I wasn't doing a lot of the coordination of it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was really scary because I'm like, well, someone else is coming into the role that I support and he already has an EA. So do I still have a job? Uh, you know, what's what's going on? What's going on? So that was really scary for me. But I had another amazing boss um, at that time that said, you know, this is happening. I'm leaving. But, you know, I'm doing my best to advocate for you. So that was great. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so he connected me with the person I currently support. Um, and I'm very, I'm very fortunate for that. Um, and then the second part of it is, you know, once you're acquired and the announcement is made and things are going on, um, everyone thinks, you know, the executive assistant knows, you know, everything and mm. whether I do or not, it's really important to, you know, not say anything, but also be empathetic to the people that are really concerned about, you know, will I have a job? What's happening? What's going on? And then also it's the blending of the two cultures. Um, and that's probably a lot easier to do when everyone's not working remote and finding out the information on a webinar or, you know, a Zoom call. Um, so I had a lot of conversations after the announcement was made and, throughout as COVID restrictions um, loosened up, we were able to, you know, do some happy hours and things like that. But I think it's always, you know, like I said, being calm, cool, collected, you know, acting like, you know, if don't cause drama as an EA. And I think um, making people feel comfortable is really important. Having been through uh, in previous companies through acquisitions before, I can fully vouch for the fact that there are just a million questions from the team uh, every single day. I I'm curious about something you, you also said earlier, Brooke. Um, you talked about how really you can a lot of times make the role your own. And for you and, and your experience, what are the things that you look to do when you step into an EA role, when you, when you step into perhaps working with a new, a new uh, executive and you're supporting them in, in making that role your own, as you said, what are the things that mm -hmm. you look to do that other folks who may be looking to get into an EA type of role might want to consider or look for? Well, I've been fortunate to work with 
executive leadership teams that value the role of an EA and have enabled me to be meaningful and being able to contribute to helping, you know, everything in a time of change or, or just in general. Um, and so I'm always looking for the holes in, in, in a company. So whether it's a small company and there's a lot of holes that need to be filled or it's a big company and you can just see where, you know, things are falling apart a bit and I know what were my strengths and I know what my weaknesses are. So when I see something that there's a problem and it's one of my strengths, I'm the first person to put my hand up and say, hey, can I try? Hey, what about this? And that's what I love about the role of an executive assistant. And there's many types of executive assistants. You know, some just are happy scheduling and saying yes and, you know, doing what they're told. I am not that person. Um, I am the one that says, like, are you sure that's a good idea? And my CEO at Movember, what he taught me was like, what you say no to is what defines you. Hmm. And so I'm always setting my boundaries of like what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do, because I think sometimes in the role of an EA, you know, you can be, you know, taken advantage of if you're not working for the um, right person. And I think often executives that haven't had an EA before, um, they don't know how to use one. So it's like, oh, can you make this copy for me? Can you, you know, do this? And, you know, I have no problems doing any of the, you know, menial tasks. But I think they uh, often they don't realize what an amazing resource an executive assistant can be. And it can be, you know, their partner. Like, I feel it's my job to make that person look as good as possible all the time. Well, last couple of questions here for you, Brooke. And, and on that note, you know, somebody, let's say somebody new who wants to get into an executive assistant type of role, what you just mentioned, and I, I love that line, what you say no to is what defines you. That takes a level of confidence, doesn't it? To, to be mm -hmm. able to speak that way. What, what advice would you give to other EAs who maybe don't feel that confident or, or perhaps are working in a situation where they don't feel they have that, the ear of their executive in that way? What advice would you give to them that you maybe want to impart? I mean, it starts in the beginning of like who you're choosing to support. Mm. And so that's what I looked for. But like I said, I'm on boss number seven, so I didn't get to <laughs> choose them all. <laughs> um, when I was first um, assigned to somebody, I, it's really important to have, you know, a 30 to 45 minutes sit down and being like, you know, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. Um, this is how I work as an EA and I will speak up. Um, and that's not for everybody. So if, if you have an issue with that, we should probably get that out of the way now because I may not be the right person for you. Um, but it really is all about confidence and it is about going in and believing in yourself. And if you're not able to stand up to the um, person you're supporting, like you might not be the right person for that role because they need someone that will, you know, be their ear and listen to them because, you know, C-suites are surrounded by yes people. And mm. um, when you're in the inner circle, you need to be able to say to them like, no, this isn't a good idea or like, yes, you should do this. And like, it's also your part to uh, push them in who they are. Because they're, you know, they're not always 100% confident in, you know, the decisions they're making. So it's, you know, being supportive and pushing them um, and just being that right hand 
man, whoa, man. <laughs> well, I love that perspective, Brooke. And and certainly you've been through enough change that you you have plenty of experience now. So <laughs> I think that will help anybody listening to uh, to this podcast episode. Last question that we like to ask of all of our guests. This is the Fabric Podcast after all. And Fabric stands for fun, authentic, bold, respectful, innovative, and collaborative. It is our core values here at The Receptionist. And which one of those resonates the most with you? Which one's your favorite out of those? Oh, they're all so good. Can I choose two? You can. We have no rules. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like fun and collaborative. Um, our CFO at Conga always tells, he when he would run our all hands, he would always say, like, you only get so many heartbeats in life. And so, you know, do mm. what you, know, you, you should be doing what you love. Um, and so with the fun um, value, it's like if you don't enjoy going to work and if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're only given so many heartbeats. So um, I always like to, you know, keep things fun, even in the tech world, <laughs> the messy times in the tech space. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then collaborative is I mean, that's what this role is all about. It's about building relationships with the other executive assistants and other departments and your executive and if you just sit in your own silo, you're not able to see that big picture. So, and doing things by yourself just isn't that fun. <laughs> no, it is not. We would agree with that here. And something our CEO, Andy Alsop always says is, hey, I, if it's not fun, I don't want to be doing it. So that's, there's a reason why <laughs> F is the first, uh, first core, core value and just happens to spell out fabric. So Brooke, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. It's always great to hear the perspective of, of folks that, you know, for us here at The Receptionist are so often the the teams that we work with and we just appreciate the work that you do. So thanks for coming on and sharing. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Fabric Podcast. Our show is hosted by me, Michael Ashford, Director of Marketing here at The Receptionist and produced by our creative manager, James Jordan. If you want to see a video version of the show, jump over to thereceptionist.com slash fabric where you can watch episodes of all of the content that we've put out on this podcast. You can see our bright, smiling faces, and you can see what our studio looks like as well. If you'd like to give the Receptionist for iPad Visitor Management System a try in your office, jump over to thereceptionist.com slash free trial and give us a test drive for 14 days with no credit card required. See what you think. Until next time, take care.